0: Something good's just landed in our studio in Auckland. Hello, Mark Hinton. How are you?
1: I'm very good, Catherine, and I'm very happy to have my little tootsies back on New Zealand soil after uh, two months up following a team in black, you, a, shall we say, at a slightly ill-fated tournament in France. You
0: lucky thing. Yes. A um, couple of observations. Man, it went on for a long time, didn't it? I don't know if we'll get back to having weekday matches or something to speed it up. Um, but second, you know, what was your experience of being in and around the team? Were you able to get anywhere near the team, you journos?
1: Well, just on the first point, uh, the World Cups are going to shrink by a uh, week. They do uh, have appreciated that they're a little bit too long drag on a little bit too much through pool stages, so they're actually increasing the field by four teams, and, and that will bring them back a week of pool play because it will be one less in each pool. So good news on that front. And being around the All Blacks, well, listen, it was it was it was special to be, to be part of Catherine because, as you know, following it, it had it was a wonderful World Cup. I mean, it had its you know poor start and then the great run of form right through uh, the finals, and so it was great to be around. But did we get very close to this All Blacks team? Sadly, no. They keep them media at arm's length. Uh, the, uh, the whole time I was there, I didn't get to do one one-on-one interview with an All Black. Wow. That's, that's the m- new environment that we live in, where the All Blacks like to keep the media at arm's length.
0: Well, it, look, some of it's media management, obviously, but also they've got their TV channel up and running now. Do you think part of it's actually going to have a commercial bent that will will keep them away for our, our subscriber channel or something? Or am I being a little bit too cynical?
1: Well, it's a, you know, it's always an easy fallback for a sporting team when they have their own, I guess, media channel to fall back on you know the the message is very much controlled isn't it and that's why we in the mainstream media need to need to push back on on just what they how the how they manage their own media commitments because it's important that uh you know trained journalists proper journalists who are a conduit to the public get to ask the questions that are important you know that are important around a team and so um yeah i think i think it's a battle we'll continue to fight the bosses are aware of it uh, (laughs) and and we need them to to speak to us and to hear our questions because we are the conduit to their fans.
0: You need to come down here and do the coalition negotiation coverage. Try that out at the moment. <laughs>
1: Nothing's it, this, easy in the modern world, is it, Catherine? <laughs> like There's
0: in the press gallery and crying to their beers with you. Um, look, it is. The management is a real issue. Um, look, let's not go near... Um, I, I thought it was cracking World Cup. I the the Irish game was brilliant. I actually thought the final... A uh, lot of what happened on the, the actual play uh, spoke highly of, of, of the players on the field, but, but just... Don't even want to revisit what's happened with the TMO situation, except that all in sundry so Steve Hanson, Nigel Owens popping up um, everyone pretty much saying we need to give the power back to the ref on the field and and, and, uh, alter what we do with those rules they're so pedantic they're so kind of random as to when that person inserts themselves and when they don't Um, what was it like watching it live with all that going on by the way?
1: Yeah very frustrating because of course every time the TMO comes in the flow of the game gets disrupted and you know, I, I think I thought we saw in that quarter final against Ireland, Catherine, just a, how rugby can be played yeah. between two teams that, you know, that that control the game so beautifully as as the both the All Blacks and Ireland did. That was that was the for me the best game I've seen the All Blacks play and under Ian Foster by a long stretch. It was a fantastic win. and I thought the final yeah, very disappointing with all the the way the TMO came in. As as you say, the big argument is it's so random. Do they come in, do they not? What do they come in for? What do they not come in for? And, uh, you know, there's no doubt New Zealand got didn't get the rub of the green, uh, but they simply weren't good enough yeah. to win it. I, they I had their chances. I,
0: it wasn't about the result for me. It was just about the the, the, yes. the, the ridiculousness, frankly, of, of, of how that seems to be operating. Hopefully they'll sort it. Let's have a look at the back, Black Caps. Now, they've had a, um, an up-and-down tournament. They've had some great chases, amazing tra- chase against Australia to nearly hunt down 388. They might have thought they were fairly safe with 402, I think it was, against Pakistan. (laughs) Um, And then what happens? We get a bit of rain interference, but actually the the batsmen looked like they were going to get 400 in about 30 overs anyway, I thought.
1: Yes, interesting World Cup. Another one that's dragging on a bit rather. Um, New Zealand sits four and four after that loss to Pakistan. Yes, a bit unlucky. How do you not defend four hundred in a one-day international? <laughs> that was the first question I was left scratching my head about. Um, of course, the Duckworth Lewis came into it, but yeah, I think Pakistan were two hundred for one off twenty-five overs chasing that four hundred, so they were they were odds on to get it anyway, and they were well ahead of the run rate. So I don't think you can argue with that result, Catherine. That makes them four and four. And um, They won their first four in a row now they 've lost their first f- their next four so it 's a very roller coaster ride of a world Cup for these black cats, but if they beat Sri Lanka. It's, it's a complicated equation because there's about four teams going for two spots. But if they beat Sri Lanka, they should sneak into the semi-finals, Catherine. So Thursday night uh, New Zealand Time, we'll be watching that, of course. But their reward will almost certainly be for finishing fourth, a match-up against the host, India, who, if you haven't been watching, have won all eight <laughs> games at this World Cup and look nigh on unbeatable.
0: Oh, look. Never, never deny the underdog status of a of a Kiwi team. Uh, look, it's uh, Cup Day. I don't know. No one's been round asking me to join the Sweet steak it's a, it's a little bit like Guy Fawkes. Are some of us falling out of love with the November celebrations,
1: um, or am I just not keeping the right company? Uh, I think a little bit. You know, it's it's they call it the race that stops the nation, and that's Australia, of course. I think it's the race that maybe sits us that makes this one, Catherine, sit up and. Pay a little bit of attention, but as you say, um, no New Zealand horse That'll in the New, no New Zealand horse in the race this year. So maybe that is yeah. taking a little bit of this thing off. We do have a New Zealand jockey aboard the top weight, James McDonald, going for a second Melbourne Cup win. He's on on Gold Trip. Um, who's the third favourite um, and won it last year, so a decent old chance. Um, uh, everyone's talking about the Irish horse, Vorbarn, trained by um, master Irish, Irish trainer Willie Mullins. Um, that's the favourite, and, and someone who I, whose view I trust implicitly told me that it won't be beaten, so let's have a look and see. And if you want an outsider, number 12, I'm told, uh, will get you a decent divvy if, the, if you're the type that likes uh, you know a little bit of a long shot.
0: Well, who would have had their odds on a 30-0 win of the um, league team over Australia in Hamilton?
1: Yeah, what a year for rugby league it's been. If you think about the Warriors run and and how it captured the nation, and I did catch the tail end of that over in France watching from afar, and it was was really special. Um, And now for the Kiwis to go out and turn round a loss to Australia the week before, uh, that's the biggest ever margin of victory they've ever had against the Australians, 30-0 to 0 in the Pacific Championship final in Hamilton. Only 12,000 people turned up, Catherine. Maybe that's a sign that the rugby league season has also dragged on a bit too long, but what a performance um, and what a year for rugby league. So let's see if they can follow that up and, 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 I guess, maintain the interest, maintain the level of performance and continue to, I guess, push rugby for that status as number one footy sport in this country.
0: Uh, well, I tell you what, the Black Ferns would have been perfectly happy with 12,000 turning up to their matches. It's been a, a reality check in many ways, the launch of this new uh, competition, the WX—I WXV1, is it? Or yes. Or W151 or whatever. Um, after such a, an astonishing World Cup last year, the crowds aren't there, um, uh, the team's not been in, in the same form that it was, in fairness, it's a significant global competition that's been established here and just launched, uh, coinciding with the with the men's World Cup. That'll be a factor, but I just don't think it got much promotion far enough in advance either.
1: No, well, I, I wasn't—you know, obviously wasn't here yeah, yeah. for it, so not not one hundred percent aware of kind of the buzz that was around it. But it was always going to be difficult, um, just with the timing of it. It Was really weird that it crossed over with the men's rugby World Cup too two World Rugby products, I'm not sure why they couldn't kind of get them a little bit it better was just, aligned. It was
0: planned so far out, the, the, the yes. hot Honcho told us. But I still think the marketing, local marketing, was really lacking in the run-up. What about the, the players uh, form some of these stars that people have attached themselves to? Um, pretty hard to come off a highlight last year, but what were the big takeaways for you?
1: Yeah, well, look, look uh, I think you used the right words, Catherine. It was a massive reality check for the Black Ferns. I mean, they, they, they were well, not kings, queens of the world literally last year when they uh, won that World Cup on home soil and captured their nation's hearts and, and minds. So um, a little bit of a step back, a little bit of a reality check. Um, they lost twice, lost to France, and then they, they lost to thirty-three, twelve reasonably convincingly to a very strong England team who swept the field. Um, so um, a major, you know, on the surface, I guess a major step backwards uh, for uh, for the Black Ferns under Alan Bunting. And uh, that's top sport, isn't it? You know, it's very hard to stay at the top. It's very hard to kind of you know continue to dominate when you ha- uh, have done, that, especially to the, the Degree they have so that gives them something to think about over summer. I think well beaten, you know, uh, similar players, uh, some emerging ones. Caitlin Vah- Vahakolo, who was named World Rugby's Breakthrough Player of the Year, a bit of a star in the making, is transferred over from Rugby League. So you know, some promising signs, but also some signs that the Black Ferns, you know, their place at the top of the of the tree of women's rugby is definitely being challenged, is definitely under threat. So they need to. Um, they need to make their adjustments just like the men's team under Ian Foster had to make their adjustments going into their World Cup.
0: We just hope that tremendous momentum doesn't get lost. It's happened so many times in women's sports after World Cups. And as I said, this new competition is really substantial and global. Uh, so look, he's hoping it's just a teething issue this time around. Mark, thanks so much. Mark Hinton, senior sports writer at stuff.co.nz.